RNMD is a show about hospital relationships from the perspective of doctors and nurses. You're very smart, and we know that you would never come to a podcast for medical advice. So obviously, call your non-podcasting doctor and nurse team if you need any medical care. Oh, and we should also mention that we don't represent any hospital at all, ever. Okay, start the thing. Hello, everybody, and welcome to RNMD, a show about doctors and nurses working together in this mad world of medicine. I'm Daniel, your doctor host. And I'm Abby, your nurse host. And today we're going to have an interesting chat together, like we always do. Mm-hmm. And we may learn a few things or two, right? I guess so. I know I will. <laughs> <laughs> well, right? well, today we had some feedback, finally, every episode. I know, I was impressed. I say, write us, write us in. And today we had some write-ins. And so we're going to be talking about that. I was very pleased to see that not just nurses, but also some doctors sent us some of their stories and we're going to share some of those stories today. Yeah. I'm really excited. This is, this is really great. It is great. I actually like that. I really, we always want to hear your opinions. We want to hear your stories. We want to hear your insight. Please call in or please email us. in. (laughs) Don't call us. Don't call us. Please don't call us. Yeah. Please don't call us. (laughs) We're busy. We're busy. I mean, you can call me if you want. I'm nice to chat with. <laughs> yeah. But it's rnmdpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can DM me. Um, I'm the nocturnal nurse on Instagram. You can DM me too, whatever works for you. Okay, so let's get into it. So today we're going to talk about a very important concept in medicine. Um, doesn't matter what healthcare practitioner you are, but at some level, you have to deal with delegating. It's very important with all the tasks that we have to do. Um, you have to know when to delegate. It can't all be done by one person. You know, some people need to work on a team and play a certain role for patient care. And today we're going to talk about some of the pitfalls of delegating because sometimes things go wrong. Yeah. And we have a few stories today, um, one from a physician in New York and one from a nurse. On the West, West Coast. On the West Coast, who will tell us some experiences that resonate with this concept. Um, and they're very interesting. We'll get into that soon. I'm going to start first, actually, with the story um, from this resident in New York. Okay, go ahead. Um, I'm not going to mention his name, but I really like the story he, he really set for us. So I think a lot of residents could understand the situation. And I think that doctors and nurses can both learn from this and, and can see something of value from the story. So uh, this gentleman calls in and says that one afternoon while he was working on the floor in the medicine unit, an RRT was called for a patient on the floor. Uh, he promptly ran to the room where the patient was and unfortunately, to his surprise, found the patient pulseless. Before he knew it, r- the interns that worked on that floor had already started compressions on the patient and he knew immediately that this RRT was transformed into a code now. And now this totally changes the patient's care. Um, And he had to make a decision at that point. He had to decide, I'm the senior resident here. And he decided that he would be the code leader of this code. So he announced, I'm the code leader. 
um, and this is what we're going to do. And he did the right thing. And, you know, we are taught that when you decide to be the code leader, you need to make that known. And the most important thing you do as a code leader is what? Delegate. Delegate. Exactly. You need to know who's doing what and who should be doing what. That, That wasn't planned, by the way. That was not planned, but I really liked that she looked at me right in the face and told me that. That was really funny. I spit right in your face. Okay. So this resident promptly delegated the task of compressions to the interns that were in the room. He delegated one of the interns to do the bag mask valve. He also had one of the other residents do pulse checks. So those are the physicians that were in this code. They are very important nursing staff in this code as well, and their roles were also delegated. First of all, the nurse brought in emergently the crash cart. The code leader's job essentially is to monitor the code Keep track of time, make sure that everybody is doing their task appropriately. So the nurse's role in this code were keeping track of the meds and the events that happened per time, but also there was a nurse delegated by the code leader to get the medication from the crash cart to hand to whoever was administering the medication, who happened to be one of the residents. Throughout the code, this resident said that he was having issues with the nurse that was getting the medication from the crash cart. He would tell her to get medication, including epinephrine, bicarb. At one point, he ended up asking for amiodarone. Every time he asked the nurse to get the medication, she would sigh and she would kind of show some type of dissatisfaction or type of like unhappiness with what was going on. She didn't, she showed that she didn't like that she was being kind of bossed around or delegated to in such an emergent situation. And the resident was really frustrated with the attitude that was conveyed by this nurse. It also delays care, right? Because if you're taking a time to sigh rather than just grab the medication, that's time wasted. So that's what happened. So this resident said that every medication that he asked for was delayed. And eventually when they were 45 minutes into this code, wow, believe it or not, wow. 45, by the way, a lot of codes go that long. Yeah, but that's that sucks. We've all been there. That We've sucks. all been there. Yeah. He said that he ended up asking for magnesium sulfate, for which he never got. He asked for it three times, but he says in his story that he he knew that the the nurse was hearing her him, but decided not to give. Let me ask a little more information about this. Is it is it possible that the nurse didn't know um, where the medications were or? I don't know. I don't know the story exactly. I don't know how much mm-hmm. they tried to push for the medication mm-hmm. or, or how much uh, they looked for it or tried mm-hmm. to get it. But yeah, that's definitely a point. Maybe she doesn't know where that medication is. I, I have heard, unfortunately, and this is something that I think that the doctor isn't always aware of, that um, I've heard of instances of nurses writing in and saying that in the event of an emergency that they don't necessarily do mock codes at their facility or they don't really, um, they're not in charge of the code cart check. So, so some nurses I've heard have said to me, I don't even know what drawer such and such medication is in. I don't even know where that is. I, I've heard seasoned nurses even say, 
the Epi is a good example because it's in a special type of syringe. I've heard seasoned nurses say that they don't even know how to put that syringe together. So I'm not making excuses. I mean, you you should never delay care. And if you don't know how to do it, you should be, you should tell someone, someone else in nursing and you should tap out of that situation and get somebody in there who can help. Um, but I'm, I'm just wondering kind of the circumstances around it because I know for us, it can be, I've been in that situation as a newer nurse where I didn't know exactly the algorithm. You know, not all floor nurses, for example, are trained ACLS. And and if you're never taught, oh, hey, this is how the epi gets put together and you only see other people doing it at a code and they don't have time to explain it to you, it can be kind of intimidating. I agree. I think intimidating is a good word. And who's to know what was going on in that nurse's mind at that moment? Maybe she hadn't had that many codes at that time and wasn't comfortable being delegated in that manner. Mm-hmm. Or maybe she didn't know where the medications were. They, it could have been either one of those Or two. maybe she didn't like being delegated to. You know, it's yeah. hard to say. I mean, we're kind of speculating on this because we weren't there. Yeah. But but the, the bottom line is um, there was obviously a lack of communication in this instance. I wouldn't say there's a lack of communication. I would say there was a communication failure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think to to me, it sounded like the resident delegated and communicated appropriately and mm-hmm. clearly, but the person who was receiving the delegation was not basically going along with it. And you know what? Nobody wants to be bossed around. I mean, most of the time, like you don't want to feel like, you know, you're being delegated to or bossed around. You don't want to feel like you don't have control over your job. It's reasonable. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this is an emergency right. situation. Exactly. We're talking about a code. Yeah. We're talking about putting your self interest of the back burner at this position, you know? And I think that's why this was such a good case because it kind of shows there's times where you got to put your ego away and kind of just do what's right for the patient. Right. Well, the patient is number one, period. That's it. And you, if you have an emergency situation, you have a coding patient, you got to do what you got to do in that moment. Even if, let's just say the physician, which I've been in codes where physicians are being really abrasive, um, a little too much excitement, et cetera. Um, and maybe they talk to a nurse who's in an inappropriate way that's happened to me in codes. And even that you have to put aside for the moment and get over it because the patient needs you in that moment and you can deal with your personal issues after. That's so true. Definitely. And please call in if you have stories like that. Don't call in. Don't call in. Message us if you have any stories like this or have any other stories that could bring up interesting doctor-nurse relationship issues. Because what we're going to do is we're going to take the people who write in and we're going to crowdsource feedback on Instagram, which if you see my stories, you see that we do that and we get RN and MD perspective. And then what we'll do is pile that and we'll present a case. I mean, that's going to be kind of ongoing segment that we do here. Exactly. And we want to hear what your thoughts are about this situation and subsequent situations. Yeah. And maybe we can learn a thing or two. Definitely. Because we don't want this to be just our perspective, right? The the yeah. the country and different hospitals are so diverse. So we wanna we don't want to hear just from our hospital. We want to hear from everybody. Exactly. Yeah. So what's the story that we have from the nursing? Okay, I'm gonna tell you, but we have something to do first. Okay. 
Okay, so let me talk about um, the nurse who wrote in. This is an ICU nurse on the West Coast. She wrote in and gave sort of this story of a patient that had been admitted to the ICU from the emergency room with a diagnosis of DKA. This patient was on an insulin drip in the ED, was the insulin drip was stopped right before the patient was transferred because the sugar was around 200 at the time of transfer. Patient was transferred up to the ICU. The potassium was found to be low and the finger stick was around 105 when the patient got admitted to the ICU. Okay. So the insulin drip stayed off. Potassium was subsequently, subsequently started then after the potassium was repleted, the finger stick was around 150. The, the doctor, the resident who was there that night, instructed the nurse to restart the insulin drip, okay? The nurse felt very uncomfortable with this because the finger stick was 150. And also, this was unbeknownst to the nurse, but the wrong protocol was ordered, it was not the DKA protocol. It was the uh, adult glucose protocol. That nurse approached the doctor multiple times that night and said, I feel maybe the insulin drip should be turned off. The doctor had said that the anion gap was kind of borderline, and that was the reason why it was continued. It was 18. The nurse kept the insulin drip until the morning, checked the finger sticks Q1 hour, and then when the day shift came in, the nurse was berated for keeping it, for even restarting it at all when the ins- when the finger stick was so low, and also for not realizing that the wrong order was in place. This nurse approached the doctor multiple times and expressed discomfort with this order, and was still delegated to to continue the insulin drip. So this almost seems like the opposite of what the doctor's case was. Right. It's almost like the nurse was being delegated to, and she was showing apprehension about what was going on, but she was actually right in the situation. She was right, and then she was berated by the attending in the morning when um, when the day team came on, and they immediately shut off the insulin drip. Um, and so I guess, you know, I guess this goes to speak for why sometimes we have problems with delegation because we've all been burned as nurses. Unfortunately, we have trusted the intern or the resident who may be, and no fault to them is new. And like in that situation, as the nurse, you can feel like maybe I didn't push hard enough, even though Ultimately, and we're going to get into this in other episodes about who actually has liability with a patient, but really we do feel a sense of liability if we don't challenge orders. That's part of our job is to question doctor's orders. And if you trust the doctor and don't push back hard enough and you're wrong, you feel burned by that. So in different situations where maybe the doctor is right, maybe the nurse is going to push back hard for no reason. I can see why some nurses do get very frustrated by the situation. Absolutely. I actually would say that this also highlights the importance of residents or any doctors 
um, the importance of actually listening to other healthcare practitioners, including nurses, nurse practitioners, or PAs, or anybody, because they have insight into the patient that you may not have, or you may be overlooked, and you should listen to them. And if they make a good point, you should change the plan. A lot about decision-making is gathering information and making uh, the best decision that's for the patient. Right. And I think that's what it comes down to is patient care. You need to make the right decision for the patient. It's not about your ego. It's not about what plan that you put in place or delegating. So this is an interesting story because it's kind of like the opposite of the the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like exactly what you said, like if, if a nurse during a code, for example, has an attitude because they're like, Oh God, do I have to hand you another thing? That's not appropriate. And if a doctor is asked three times about the same issue and is not thinking to themselves, maybe I, maybe this nurse is telling me something, then it is about your own ego. And that's the point that we're trying to make is that it doesn't matter. Doctor, nurse, take your ego out of it and think what's best for the patient. Is that nurse bringing you valuable information to say, hey, this isn't the best plan? And is the doctor saying, hey, I need magnesium right now. That's what's best for this patient. Hand it to me, please. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, how you say things is really important. You know, I mean, in a code, I think that what's it called? Close. Close loop communication. Closed loop communication um, can be very important. Like you're saying, maybe that doctor doesn't know if that nurse heard or not because they weren't using that kind of communication. If the nurse had repeated it, then it maybe would have felt more like their responsibility. They better get it to the doctor now. You know, that's why that exists too. Definitely. Right? Yeah. I think these were both really interesting cases. Definitely. And this was uh, this was an interesting episode because it was kind of a quickie app. Yeah, we're doing <laughs> quick, <laughs> quick epi. Quick, quick epi. Yeah. Epi stat. Epi stat. <laughs> tell us what you think about these. Yeah, tell us episodes. what you think about these. Um, we're we're just we're trying different formats right now. So I mean, we're gonna we're gonna do things like this. We're gonna do things more about communication, more about we have medical topics. Sometimes we do interviews. I mean, we're just kind of feeling ourselves out right now. We're brand new. And speaking of that, we really need reviews and likes um, and subscribes right now because our our podcast is so new. It's very important to us. So if you don't mind, please, we really need the love. Okay. So like, subscribe, share, all the all the good things. Six stars. <laughs> Give us six stars, please. Six stars. Yeah. Grazie. Gracias. <laughs> Tashakor. Oh, what's that one? Shukriya. Shukran. These are all the different languages. I'm saying thank you to all of you guys out there. Dan loves language. It's one of the things he's like very passionate about. He always is like, oh my gosh, where are you from? Let me learn something new. You speak three languages. I don't even speak that many languages. I just like to know phrases from different languages. I just think it's fun. You think it's interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. Because especially in medicine, you come across so many different cultures. Definitely. I had a team. I had um, Persian guy. Uh Uh-huh. Italian, uh-huh. Korean, uh-huh. Japanese, wow. Indian. Wow. And the name of our team was the UN. I'm serious. <laughs> really? I'm gonna, yeah, you I like made to a name, little... I, I like to name my team. That's funny. Yeah, That's yeah. pretty funny. That's, That's pretty cool, dumb. though. It's cool. cool. It's fun to interact with like that that kind of diversity on your team. You know? Definitely. Yeah. Chankuya. What language is that? <laughs> I don't know. Spasiba. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do Farsi. Tashakor. Yeah. Dan like really speaks Farsi like for real. Straight up. Yeah. Todaraba. What language is that? I don't know. That was Hebrew. Oh. <laughs> okay. Wait. He speaks four. Okay. No, no. I used to speak Hebrew as a kid, but now not anymore. I lost it. 
I lost all my Judaism. I've been trying to learn Italian for like four years and I still can't speak it. It's really, it's embarrassing. It's, Can you say thank you like no. an Italian native? Grazie. It's not bad. She even put the E, E, at the yeah. end. The E, yeah. That was good. It's pretty bad though. My Italian's very, very bad. It's not true. It's not, I, it's not bad. I had a, a tutor for a while, but then COVID hit. I'm going to pick it back up now though. COVID hit. Yeah. It's, it's like everything's like pre-COVID yeah. or post-COVID. Yeah. Post-COVID We're in the now. post-COVID era. Yeah. Well, sort of. Well, dude, yeah. yeah, don't jinx it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, anyway. Okay, thank you guys so much. Uh, this was a fast episode. Let us know if you like this format better. If the um, Sometimes our episodes can get a little long. If you prefer short episodes, let us know. We want to make this as easy and as fun for you guys. So please give us some feedback, okay? Um, thank you so much. Thank, thank, you, thank guys, you. Thank you guys, everybody. Um, please submit your topics, rnmdpodcast at gmail.com. Please like, subscribe, and uh, we're going to see you next week. Thank you so much. Arigato gozaimasu. Okay, bye-bye. Arrivederci. Arrivederci. <laughs> <laughs> see you guys. Okay, bye.